0: Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of
1: Listen by Gene Ginsburg. And very excited today, have a very special guest. David, how are you? I am great, it is nice to see you. Yes, very nice to see you. Nice to connect via Zoom, not in person, but you know, it's the best we can do for now. Um, So I always usually like to start off the conversation is give us, uh, give the audiences some context. So what is your background?
2: Sure. So thank you for asking. Uh, I'm originally from Iran. I came to the U.S. in 1981 with a suitcase, hundred bucks, didn't know anybody and didn't speak a word of English. I finished high school here. I got my Eagle Scout here, undergrad, grad school. And my career is really three phases. So first phase was technology, sales, sales management. Second phase was really consulting. So I went to what became PwC. And I also spent a number of years at a private equity firm. So we bought and sold 110 different companies in six years. So I got a chance to see a lot of really interesting, small, medium-sized businesses. And for the last 19 years, I've been on my own doing growth consulting, education, uh, coaching, and speaking. So that's what I do. And I've just finished writing book number 11. 11. Oh, my gosh. I did not realize it was so many. Yeah, I have big shoes to fill. My grandfather published 25 books. A lot of his were like uh, more stories and fiction. But yeah, I'm passionate about this topic. You and your audience would be elated to hear I'm not writing Harry Potter, so I'm never going to get wealthy writing books. They're just a great way to capture very similar challenges and opportunities that I see with different clients I work with. Wow. So basically averaging one book every two years or so. Yeah, about every 24 to to about 36 months is a really good chance for me. I feel like I'm in the ideas business. So at some point, you've read enough, you've talked enough, you've coached enough or consulted enough about an idea that you feel like you have something to say. And uh, books for me take about four years to kind of think about and percolate. and, And I'm typically working on a handful of topics at the same time.
1: Okay, so tell us about your most previous book.
2: Sure. So I think the one that's most relevant to your audience, number one, would be called relationship economics. And it was all about, Gene, how to be more intentional, whether you're an entrepreneur or a small business owner, how to be more intentional in the relationships you choose to invest in. It's a choice. And by the way, I cringe when people call relationships a soft skill, because number one, it's not very soft. And number two, it's not that easy. So particularly we've all learned during this pandemic, right? We had to physically get away from each other and our interactions became all these little square boxes. And so how to do that effectively, impactfully to get things done was the first one. More recently, I published co-create, which was all about how do you bring two or more relationships together to create something of unique value that you wouldn't be able to do by yourself. And, The one that's coming up called Curvebenders is at the intersection of future of work, strategic relationships, and your personal reinvention. So I called those three, Relationship Economics, Co-Create, and Curvebenders, my Star Wars trilogy.
1: Wow, okay. So obviously you have the books, but tell us
2: about your business. So how are the books feeding for the business? Great, great question. So as I said earlier, I advise... I coach, I educate, I speak. So nobody's hiring me to come teach them how to juggle, right? And, and in 20 years, Gene, you would love this. Not yet. Not yet. Not right? yet. It could be possible, right? It's a new business <laughs> quite, model, Quite possible, uh, right? So nobody also calls and says, we have a relationship problem. What I get calls about, inquiries about, is we're losing market share. Or we've got this product that's stagnant. Or I'm losing people. So, one of the misperceptions about relationships that is purely external, right? Customers and, you know, market and media and suppliers and maybe investors. I I coach people that one of the best investments you can make is in your intra company relationships. Now, if if you're a business of five people, that might be a little easier, but there's still that I still may call me old school. I still believe in. Management by walking around, management by getting to know the individuals. And Gene, what what I've consistently seen is the best teams always win. And that talent inside your small and medium-sized business, inside your startup, inside your small company will make or break you. So the more you invest in, not just don't settle, not just okay talent, not just good enough talent, but exceptional talent and really build and nurture a great relationship with them gives you this incredible edge. And I would submit every business owner's two core fundamental responsibilities is their brand and it's their culture. Mm-hmm. Their brand is what they promise, the value they promise in the market. Their culture brings that promise to life. The culture delivers that promise. And if those two are aren't aligned, you're gonna struggle. So what's your unique value in the market and tell me about the people you've surrounded yourself with because no entrepreneur, no business owner is ever scalable. There's only so many hours in a day and there's only so many fires I can put out. How do I surround myself with great people who want to be there, who feel like they're owners in the business, they own a piece of the business and they're determined to deliver an exceptional experience to everybody we touch. I love that. Absolutely. The culture piece
1: was spot on. Yeah. And when you started talking about talent, I was like, it's talent is good, but the culture, yeah, it's so significant. And one of the things I've been experiencing uh, as my business has been growing is going from founder to CEO. And one of the things that I have been tasked with, I mean, I've tasked myself is like, now that I'm no longer in the day-to-day operations of the business, how do I strategize, but also how do I keep the culture and create the culture for the organization?
2: Absolutely. So I've got a very simple definition for culture. Behaviors, you're willing to tolerate. Okay. Right? So so if you have a great person who's an absolute jerk, is that helping your business or is that cancer or decay in your business, right? Well, most business owners say, no, I wouldn't put up with that person long. You'd be amazed of how often we do that. Or we settle. Oh my gosh, I was talking to a small business owner yesterday. And I said, let's go through your team. And I have a very simple formula, A, B, or C players. And we all kind of know what those are, right? Is this, is this you know, a great person, you know, they're committed, the attitude is there, they can learn, they can grow with us. And then potential. One, they've got little to no potential. Ten, very high potential. Most of the person, most of the people this business owner has on the team, he himself classifies as B or C with very low potential. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Because he's got great aspirations of where he wants to take this really cool business. But I told him you're trying to run uphill with one arm and one leg tied behind your back and you're doing everybody's job. And as Mm -hmm. you peel back the onion, you're going to love this. What I figured out was he's penny wise and pound foolish. He's paying low wages. Therefore, he gets medium to low level talent. And then he wonders Mm -hmm. why he's got to babysit him. So I said, you'd rather have few people who are intelligent, engaged, driven, right? And they want to be there and they're well compensated that are doing the job that the key roles to get you to succeed. And you don't have to do their jobs. You can surround yourself with people you like, you respect, you trust, and let them drive the outcomes you're after.
1: Absolutely. That's so true. I, I love how you're talking about. It's finding the right talent, but also finding the right people and and fitting into the organization and having the culture and the core values and the mission and everybody. And it's, it, I see that all the time as well, having worked with a lot of entrepreneurs. Just, and the delegation is the piece
2: that, uh, that everybody has
1: problems with. <laughs> right,
2: double-edged sword, right? So entrepreneurs have got to let go, right? You've got to let go as the founder and, and, and your transformation from uh, one, one woman band to now I've got a team around me is, hey, you got to let go. But you know what? I'm a small business owner. You're a small business. We let go when we feel not told, when we feel that we're surrounded by competent, capable people who care. So why not hire those people at the onset, right? Right. Hire competent, capable people who care. And I tell my clients, if you have a growth agenda, if you know where you wanna take your business, this is a really simple exercise for your audience. Make a list of the top roles, not individuals. What are the top jobs to be done to get you to those growth? And then in a very simple manner, green, yellow, red. Start asking, do I have the right person in the right job and do they have the resources to succeed? If it's all three are yes, that's a green. If one of those is no, that's a that's a yellow. If all three are no, that's a red. Right. And it's a very simple dashboard to start de-risking your business and aligning the talent, and the jobs to be done with that upside growth, that upside potential you're looking for. And that's just one example of, and I can't take credit for this. There's a guy named Sandy Og who's written a book called Grow, and he talks about link talent to value. Link talent to value. So if you know where you're going, if you know what that value agenda is, you can link this talent that you have and you need to creating that outcome. I wrote about it in uh, in my most recent book, Curve Vendors.
0: This podcast is brought to you by the Digital Marketing Method monthly group coaching program, your methodology for growing your business and your social media following. Join me and my group of supportive entrepreneurs and learn how you can grow your business and your social media following where we cover topics such as Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, email marketing, and so much more. Go to dmgroup.online, dmgroup.online. Hmm. Very,
1: very interesting. So it's a, an interesting point you mentioned earlier about finding, you know, creating basically an organization chart, an ideal organization chart for your, for your company. And as I said, I, I've been transitioning out of the founder role into the CEO role. And I was talking to a colleague of mine, and she mentioned actually the exact same thing. She's like, think of your organization chart as you want it to be, like not the way you have it now, but, but the way you want it to be. And then fire everybody, including yourself, and then f- create the chart and then put people in there if they fit the criteria, like are they right candidates? Are they in the right seat? Are they doing, you know, do they have the resources? So I went through this. I'm going through this process now where I'm creating my own organization chart. Ideally, hopefully I haven't kicked myself out of my own job, but right. maybe I might have to.
2: goes <laughs> well, to you for that discipline because it's not easy, right? It, it, is, it yeah. is a really difficult task. And a lot of entrepreneurs, a lot of small business owners are so busy with the urgent, right? I got clients and I got to right. I, I do all the stuff I have to do that you lose sight of what's so important, what's so critical in your business, which is, and listen to what I said, do I have the right person in the right job? Sometimes you can have a great person, but they're in the wrong job, right? Mm -hmm. And then more importantly, do they have the resources? You cannot bring on a salesperson and not give them the tools they need to sell. You cannot bring an operations person without the technology, without the tools, without, right? By the way, the other thing that I, that I coach a lot of small and medium-sized business owners to really think about, and myself included, we got to get away from gut feel and the fact that I've been in this business for all these years and start making more data-driven decisions. Because I get it. You grew up in the business and you know that business inside now, but the, the numbers a lot of times don't lie. So if you don't have your finger on the pulse of data, like customer mm-hmm. acquisition costs, like conversion from awareness to the first buy. By the way, respectfully, unless somebody somewhere sells something, the rest of it won't matter, right? So how are we creating awareness? Are we getting enough at bats? Are we, is our value proposition compelling enough for our product to market fit for somebody to have that problem and think of us and buy us? By the way, is it a one-time transactional buy or is there a repeat opportunity? So if you don't have your finger on the pulse of that data, you're, you're, you're throwing darts in the dark and, and you're you know blindly. Mm-hmm. And I don't know of a business that can succeed, particularly in the post-pandemic world, without that data. Without, so this is the time to get your house in order. This is the time to invest in that infrastructure to really help you figure out what levers am I going to run this business by?
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a big piece of what we do also. We're um, on a marketing agency and the data, it's like the data will speak for itself as I always say. It's not like, yeah, I think this is my theory, my, you know, I think that's what's gonna happen. It's none of that. It's like the data will tell you what it is and the people and the audiences will tell you what it is. And then you can make decisions based off of that. But it's not like, oh, I think it's that like, it never works because it's
2: not backed by data. And God, God bless you, because what's the old <laughs> adage? You know, half of my marketing is working. I just don't know which half, right? So <laughs> oh I'm baffled by business owners when you ask them, tell me about your ideal customer profile. Well, you know, and they go back to the gut and you kind of see it, right? They go back to the gut feel. Or tell me about the buying journey your customers go through. Well, the kind of, and it's just like, I feel like I'm having an out-of-body experience, Right. Do you really not know how your buyers buy? If that really is true, you better go back to the drawing board because increasingly they can get all the information about you and your company before they ever talk to you. They've probably have talked to other people that may have either bought from you, They can find people that work for you. So they can do a whole lot of their due diligence before they ever engage you. And if you're blind to that, you have no idea where your business is coming from or where it's leaking from. And that goes back to really becoming more astute in that data-driven decision-making, really becoming more astute is, what are the levers in my business that I can pull and push to really make the changes I need to make for the viability, for the success, future success of my business?
1: You know, when you mentioned ideal target market and customer profile, I, I see it all the time. It is actually kind of baffling how little companies Real companies, real businesses know about their target market. And it's something that we actually do. Everybody that we onboard as a client has to go through that process. Unless they already have their very draw, very well thought out customer profile, we do that with them because uh, that is so critical. You, you can't market to anybody
2: unless you know who they are. And I was explaining retargeting and lookalikes to somebody else the other day. And they were, they were giving me that, that deer in the headlight. Like, wait, what? I'm like, okay, let's, let's try this. Have you, have you gone to a website and you look something up and then you go to a bunch of other websites and those things pop up? How do you think that's happening, right? They kind of track you and they create lookalikes. And so the reason you're, and I also talk about your ideal relationship profile. So if you think about an ideal customer profile, unfortunately, the perception is maybe they buy once. Unless you're thinking about their lifetime value and, how, and what would they buy and how much they would buy from you over some period of time, right? So I talk about the ideal relationship profile. So yes, you sell a product or service. Yes, they pay you for it. But is that it? Or could you activate this army of those relationships to now become advocates for you? Because last time I checked, word of mouth is some of our best marketing, like for all of us, like ever, right? So do you have the right relationships who are talking about you to their relationships? If not, why not? And by the way, are you arming them intelligently with the right ammunition to, I know it's weird from somebody from the Middle East to talk about ammunition, but I'm, so are you arming them with the right ammunition to intelligently talk about you to their relationships and create that market gravity or market pull? And this is the kind of stuff that, again, even small business owners cannot afford to ignore as we come out of this pandemic and we really think about getting demand back and really this business renaissance that I believe is ahead of us. So yes,
1: absolutely. And then um, one last question I wanted to ask because I know we've talked a lot about business and a lot about customer profiles and, and I love having these conversations, but if our audiences were to get in touch with you, what is the typical problem that you help them
2: solve? Sure, so in terms of you know when they get in touch, I've always believed, convey your credibility to the questions you ask, not the solutions you provide. And and that's one of the best techniques I can share with your audience if they want to build and nurture greater relationships. So when people call, I, I typically ask a series of questions, right? So, you know, tell me what the challenges are. Why do you believe that's the case? It's typically around growth. A lot of times growth has become stagnant or, They don't know why they're growing. So did you grow because the pandemic just put you in the right place at the right time? Or is it because of some things you actually are doing proactively? Gene, I'm a big believer that none of us have a crystal ball. None of us can predict our futures. Every one of us can plan. So how are you planning for the other side of this pandemic? How are you rethinking key parts of your business on the other side of this pandemic? And again, beyond the lives and the livelihoods, That this pandemic has caused, I believe it to be a great opportunity to do just that. Rethink, reimagine, reinvent key parts of your business that will really fuel your growth in the next decade.
1: Yeah, always taking a step back, right? Whenever you have the opportunity, which this is a good opportunity for some businesses. For us, it was definitely uh, stepping forward and not step, stepping back, because we have seen tremendous growth in our business. But yeah, a lot of businesses maybe that was the time to be like, okay, what 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 worked, what hasn't, and what can I do after the pandemic to reinvent myself.
2: And and that reinvention, by the way, is getting a lot easier. I'm doing the same thing, right? So you hear about this digital transformation, and big companies make it. I'm thinking, why not me and my business? So we're creating more tools and assessments, and you know, ways to automate a lot of our previously paper-based or manual processes, it has gotten a lot easier, a lot less expensive. There are more available resources to help you do that. You don't have to do it all yourself. You do have to create that vision of the future that I'm after in my business and really surround yourself, as we've talked about, with great relationships that can help you get there.
1: Yeah, it's, it's so true that a lot of the the pandemic. Just kind of showed the way for a lot of the technology changes because we had to ad- adopt and adopt them, right? Because we couldn't, yeah, use the paper trail anymore. We couldn't, you not have meetings with people anymore. So everything had to be online. Um, so that's, I totally agree with that. So last question is, how can our audiences get in touch
2: with you? A very kind of you to ask. Yeah, easiest way is our website, which is just Nor Group, N O U R Nor is our website. You can also just Google my name, David Nor you'll find our YouTube channel and you'll find me on LinkedIn and Twitter. And, and uh, I also write extensively, but our our website is probably the best NOR group, N-O-U-R group.com.
1: Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. I love having these conversations about marketing and growth and business and entrepreneurship. Those of course are near and dear to my heart. And I love how you are approaching all of this. So thank you so much. And thank you for sharing your wisdom. Jane, thanks for having me. It's great to be with you.